Hello and welcome to Travel Radio Podcast, formerly the Travel Agent Interview. I am Megan Chapel, your host, and I am privileged today to have Sherry Cavillan back on the program with me again. Welcome, Sherry. Good morning. Sherry, you just came back from what looked to be an amazing trip to Greece, so we're going to get into that. But first, we're going to get into a review. Just read it out, and then we'll move on. This is a review from iTunes. I read these out because I'm very thankful for them. Um, and also, it tells the bean counters that this is a program worth listening to. So it would be a digital high five to me if you all wanted to leave one. So this is from YFS524. This is a great snippet of information and interesting fun for places you may have already been to or are plan on going. It is fun to learn and better to know about certain places, activities, and the local culture before going on an adventure. There is almost nothing worse than not being able to take advantage of the usually limited time you have on vacation, especially for lack of preparation. These podcasts will help you get prepped to make your next trip uh, the best and to take full of awesome memories. I'm reading it poorly. And of course, Insta G Life Worthy, which stands for Instagram. Keep it up and cheers. Five stars. Thank you very much. All right. Woo-hoo. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, if only I could read. Um, anyway, Sherry, um, I want to talk about some things first, but for people who haven't listened to this program before, this is the purpose of this podcast is to connect travelers to travel professionals. And a lot of the people we have on the program are travel planners, travel agents, travel professionals in, in the planning sense. And I have a friend who is, you know, a very respected travel writer, but she writes something lately about travel agents taking kickbacks from resorts. Um, and I just wanted to set the record straight with a reputable and uh, a travel agent, travel professional such as yourself that has um, just years of experience and also just to give a little bit maybe of an outline of how working with a travel professional works. So could you speak to that? Well, if they're giving kickbacks, I've not seen them. I'd like to see them. No, I really wouldn't like to see them because 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 it's like really the the way that people think that we make so much money, if somebody would speak to that, they'd be so uneducated because the amount of commission we make is really negligible and we work very hard for our money. And if they're considering our commission that we get, which is usually a percentage of the land only stays or the cruise only stays before taxes, if they consider that a kickback, then yeah, they can pay the same booking direct or the same booking with us. And yes, travel agents do get paid. We do not exist on air. But as far as, you know, it has been said that travel agents will um, sway people in the direction of properties due to uh, favorable commission structures. That, that never spoke to me. I, I, I've never been motivated by money in that sense. And as far as this whole black market of illegal kickbacks, um, if it is, I've been doing this nearly 13 years and I haven't seen it. So yeah. um, it may be somebody speaking from ignorance of the way that the travel agents get paid. And as I explained to a new customer yesterday, she said she's got a very complex European trip she wants me to do. And she was referred to me because that's how I get 90% of my clients. And she said, so how do you work? Do you charge a planning fee? Do you charge? Well, every travel agent works different. Uh, a lot of agents do charge a planning fee. I 
thankfully am busy enough and my people usually do travel with me that I do not charge an upfront fee. I, I exist on getting commissions from my suppliers that I booked. And no, it isn't illegal kickbacks. It is the commission structure that just about every reputable travel supplier has in place. And um, I only get paid if they travel. So <laughs> Sure. And I think that you know, travelers listening also need to be aware that if you're booking with a travel agent that you haven't used before, you, sh- you know, one, get some referrals and do your research because if there are, there are resorts that will say, you know, you can have an extra percentage if you book during this month with us. And, but you should have a travel agent that's motivated with your safety and your family's vacation style, vacation hopes and dreams in mind. And that is wanting to earn your business for years to come. And if they're just pushing you to a resort that's offering them a better commission, that's, that's not the kind of agent you want. So do some research because there are definitely resorts that offer really nice commission structures that I will not send my clients to because I've had bad experiences with them. My clients have had bad experience with them. And typically that's when I've sent a client to those resorts is because they specifically said, this is the resort we wanted. And I've said, okay, well, I want you to know about these things that I'm aware of with this family of resorts or this property. And they've said, yeah, I want to go there. And I said, okay, but I just want, you know, let's get this in writing that I said all these things first. And then if they've, mm-hmm. you know, and then they've not had a good experience. And I knew that, and I didn't want to send them there. And oh, anyway, right. the, incent- the, the incentive wasn't enough for me to endanger my clients to send them there, you know, willingly. So... Anyway. And I, I'm totally with you. I, uh, I all the reason why I've been able to build this business and exist all these years and be strictly by referral and be busier than ever is because I have blinders on when it comes to the sale, the promotion, the this, the that. I close my eyes to that and I open my ears to what the client wants and make the best fit for them. And you know, and it, then my commissions come two months after they travel or what, and that's fine. And that's just a part of the equation, but I never put the money first. Maybe other agents do. I can't speak to that, and that is exactly why, Megan, you said that it, you need to be very careful for who you who you work with. Unfortunately, all travel advisors are not created equal. Sure. Yep. Got to do your due diligence, just like purchasing anything else from anyone else. We're like outside sales agents, so you got to find someone with referrals and a good reputation. Thanks for taking a moment to go into that with me. I just, that was less venti than I thought I was going to get on that because it was driving me crazy when I read that. I've seen it a couple of times now. I'm like, lady, you should know better. But here we go. There's probably endurance. It's okay. No worries. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Greece because that's more exciting and just a place that so, so many people have on their bucket list. And you've just gone and you have an additional trip coming up. So let's talk about the trip you just went on. You were invited because you are a pretty high volume, very successful travel agent to travel on this trip. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I was asked to uh, go by ASTA and NACTA. ASTA is the American Society of Travel Agents. NACTA, the National Association of Career Travel Agents, are two pretty high profile organizations. Um, based in the U.S., but also internationally. And this was a destination expo they created um, focusing on the region of the Greek Isles. And they need to um, – the purpose of it is to bring high-caliber travel agents who are doing business or are able to do business in that region together with the best of the best 
travel suppliers, um, both for groups, for individual uh, tour operators. And they put us all together and mixed us up for three days, and we got to build some relationships, some really great relationships. But they they um, they were searching for agents who have done a lot of Greece, who have done a lot of Europe. As I expressed, I've done a lot of Europe. Um, this was my first trip to Greece, but it's been on my bucket list for over 30 years. Um, but as you mentioned, yes, I am again going back this fall. So that said, um, it was a um, just total immersion into Athens, which is where we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, the event was in Athens, but the content did focus on all the myriad of aspects of Greece, which is way bigger than you'd think when you think about it. Mm-hmm. But um, this particular trip was uh, focused on or my experiences outside of the conference room, of which there were many, uh, were focused on Athens and three little out islands in the Saronic Gulf. And uh, my trip back in the fall, uh, which is actually my honeymoon, uh, is more farther reaching, and I'm experiencing uh, many islands then. And I've now met the tour operators I need to craft my honeymoon and my experiences on each island and each region just the way I do for my own clients. So that's kind of exciting because I'm yeah. used to the last one. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, let's talk about what were the highlights of this trip. Oh, I, 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 I obviously knew what to expect, and I had no idea what to expect. I mean, I've always wanted to go to Greece. We see the idyllic blue water. Mm-hmm. First thing, my first impression when I got into the car, I had a private driver pick me up, and I'm driving, and it's like, look at all these mountains. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I live in Florida. It's flat. I didn't realize. It's surrounded by mountains and peaks. And and some of this is volcanic and some of the. So that was kind of exciting. I got to the hotel. It was magnificent. Um, Right outside the hotel is the Running Man statue, which is made out of, like, tiers of glass. And it's, like, almost an optical illusion. But it it commemorates. I stayed at the Hilton, by the way. Shout out for them. Oh yeah. Uh, it it commemorates that where the modern Olympics, where where uh, it, where the marathon uh, was the starting point of that marathon, which is run now. And we talked a lot about modern Greece and historic Greece. And what was interesting is that the history is smacking you in the face everywhere you go. Right. And um, I came back from this trip saying. Boy, if, you know, I was an A student, I graduated fourth in my class, I was first in my class in high school in my freshman year. History, I I had like not one iota of interest, but had history been presented in a living classroom like this, when people say to me, oh, I'd like to take my kids, but like they can't miss two days of school. And I'm like, this is so the history lesson. This is something that you can't get from a book. And I got so much out of it on so many levels because you are walking through history. It's hitting you at every turn. And once you start to understand from the locals who were lovely, most spoke very good English, they were very hugely welcoming to tourists, Um, and they were very anxious to help weave the story together in everything, in the food, in in walking, in food, in in the culture, in the mythology, which, of course, is prevalent there, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Zeus and Apollo and da-da-da-da-da. And um, I I would have been an A student in history had history been presented this way, and we're just talking about a six-day immersion in a destination. This is the exact argument that a lot of homeschooling parents use. They're like, I don't, 
I want my kids to have experience. And if they're stuck in like a traditional school year, they'll never get it. But when we homeschool, we take our books and we, we want to learn about the American Civil War. We're going to drive to Gettysburg and we're going to do the, you know, we're going to do the whole thing. Then we're going to drive to Williamsburg and do that whole thing. And we took our school with us. Uh, so that's, you're, you're arguing the homeschool mom's point. Not that we were going to get into that, but you know, there you go. Plug for homeschoolers I, right there. I am a proponent. I understand. There's nothing like real life experience. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when you drove into the city, my, I haven't been to Greece. My mom was just like, everything's concrete. Was that your experience? No, not really. I mean, yes, no, yes, no. Okay. So, The first thing that struck me, because I went and I checked in and I had an overnight flight and I didn't eat and I had a time change. So I was looking for food and I didn't want to eat in the hotel. So I went to the desk. I asked for a recommendation. He goes, it it, it seems like I said, I don't want this food, food, you know, elevated um, cuisine, Greek European disease, Greek European cuisine that they serve here at the hotel. It's all very lovely and foo foo. I said, I'm really, I need some comfort food. So he sent me to a taverna around the corner. And as I started walking and I walk with a camera in my hand because it's attached. And <laughs> as I'm walking, I was struck by the number of parks. And yes, there is a park. There's a big park across from the hotel. There's little parks. There was a lot of green space. And being that I come from uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. which we have the lakefront, and we have some parks. We have the park district that runs along the lake. And in Florida, where there's greenery, but sporadic, I was impressed by how much green I saw. Now, Great. Greece, I was in Athens. I was not in all of Greece. I was not in every island. But I was I was struck not by the concrete I was struck by was that, um, and again, I learned this in my little, little actually was in my foodie lesson, mm-hmm. um, that the three materials that you'll see used there are marble uh, and uh, marble wrought iron and I forget. that's not good I forgot the third one already <laughs> oh flunkus but um that the stone I saw you're going along the side of the road okay here's an old building a new building new construction oh look here's Hadrian's arch it's in front of the temple of Zeus and here is this and they they were very after they were destroyed and rebuilt and destroyed and rebuilt they um are very good about preserving um what's left of, of the artifacts and you'll be walking along and, and here's this thing from, you know, thousands of years BC standing there, yeah. uh, buildings from, you know, they have taken, and we had a, a, um, a welcome from everybody in parliament and everybody in the tourism community in Athens with a marching band and the leading soprano, uh, singing the American anthem as well as the Greek national anthem in, um, a X century BC, uh, Herodian amphitheater. And we sat on, this is all marble. This is all marble and stone and granite. And it's just, and they did restore that area. But you are in the you are in the shadow of the Parthenon, which of course is the Acropolis, and people think Acropolis is either a place or whatever. Well, apparently every 
every county seat has an acropolis, and that's the hill, and that's where everyone met to make decisions. Look, I would have never learned that in history class. So the Acropolis is the big hill of which I paid additional for my room to sit there on my patio and look across and see the Acropolis, but see the Parthenon, which is the structure that we are used to seeing, mm-hmm. all lit up on top of on top of the hill. But I'm turn around, I'm sitting there, I look forward, I see the beautiful stone, and I've, I'm starting to post these pictures, and I really have to get them up on my on my photo blog site, but there's so much, so little time. And then you turn around and there's the Parthenon. And you look over there and there's the Erechtheon. And then you look over here and there's the temple. And you're two minutes out of town. So if I saw stone, it wasn't like all structures. It wasn't like all downtown as we would see it in a metropolitan city in the United States. It was totally a world apart. And when you go into downtown, you know, you have these, these, these neighborhoods, these communities, and we did a walking tour. I did a walking tour. I arranged myself, and it was a foodie walking tour. Yes, let's but talk she was about that. Yeah, we well, can talk about that for about a week. Um, <sighs> but that's the first. I, this was on my last night there, and I am going to arrange this with the other couple. I'm going to for my honeymoon. Yes, I'm taking another couple on my honeymoon. Do not ask. <laughs> it's like that. Huh? Um, <laughs> But uh, not like that, but uh, <laughs> we, we, um, I did that on the last one, and she was the one on the last night. She was so great about explaining to me the history, the culture, why things are presented as they are, what um, era um, created. You've got a Byzantine temple next to Manasaraki, which is the little, the little temple. Why is there a Turkish structure immediately next to the ancient Roman structure, you know, and how all the different influences came together to affect the architecture, to affect the food and the culture. And it just blew my mind, but it made, it left the imprint on me as always um, the consummate travel planner. The first thing I would do is integrate some, the first thing I did when I went in reality was I went and I did a, a walking tour to the Acropolis and learned a lot about the myths and mythology. That was important. Um, equally important was my immersion into the food and the culture and the understanding of the history of what I was looking at. Had I, that will be part of my plan when planning for my guests going forward to put that in the front of the tour, the trip oh, yeah. for That's them, a tool like that. So that they can fully appreciate the rest of the stay because there is just so much going on on so many levels. And I, you know, everything we think about Greece, we just want to go see the pretty blue water and the whitewashed buildings in Santorini. Mm-hmm. And we just think pretty and we forget, or we, I, everybody forget the layers and I can't, don't even get me started with layers, the layers and the layers and the layers of history, which is, comic because indeed as as um greece was destroyed as athens was destroyed or or the life before athens when they built back they just built on top of the prior civilization on top of it so if you go to the new acropolis museum and i'm not a museum girl but it was something to be seen as you walk in, they have glass floors, and as you look down, you can see the excavation underneath oh, wow. it. And you see, and then you go forward, and you're going up a slope to go into the museum, and now you see 
below one of the levels is another level below that. And they had modern plumbing and they had modern, here's the bathtub, here's the this, here's the that. The Roman bath, the square bath, but nonetheless, and the guys even told us, yes, they even found a toilet seat. And when you're looking at stuff that's like B.C., it defies the imagination how advanced this culture was. And that was surprising to me. I mean, we knew, we knew, we knew, we knew. Latin came from, you know, the root of everything came from, every word comes from the ancient Latin, which evolved into Greek. You're looking at signs there. You're not going to navigate this by yourself. I've been trying to learn Greek on one of my little phone apps with 52 words a day. Mm-hmm. And every sign will be in Latin, will be in Greek, and then some assimilation of the letters in English. It's not easy, but uh, hey, I finally learned to say thank you and calamara, which is good morning. I should have opened you up like that. Um, uh-huh. But it, it was just, it, it just, there's so much, and we're talking I was in this little bitty piece that was basically more or less downtown Athens. Mm -hmm. And I got so much out of it, but also because these two tourism boards from the U.S. in in concert with the entire FEDADA and all the tourism professionals in Europe or in Greece, but also some were out of Turkey, some were out of Jordan, all came together to give us an immersive experience so that we could see how much Greece has to offer as a tourist destination. Yeah, but, I, I mean, it's... I could go on and on and on. It was just, I, I've got enough to go back, and the only thing I'm upset about when I go back is I only have three days there prior to my cruise. And mm-hmm. I um, could have extended at the end, and instead I'm going to um, Zurich because that's where my grandfather's from, and I could have could have stayed in Athens, and I may still change because it 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 it's a destination that just begs to be explored, and there's just the more you look, the more there is yeah, and I think that this is a really good argument for not just winging it when you go to a foreign destination to purposely pick a tour that you know, resonates with you to some extent, like whether it's a tour of a museum or it's a walking tour of the city or it's a food tour, something that is kind of, you know, your particular bet that can help you latch on to the culture in some way. So, uh, and for example, you were there six days, you learned a ton and it's, it was through these, you know, local experiences. So, uh, so that's no. Yeah, I'm sure other people just walk around up and down the streets. There were some girls coming down a street that I would have never found on my own, and they had their shopping bags and their Starbucks. That's fine. You can have that experience too, but that's it depends on why you want to travel. And I always listen to my people, and I ask, you know, do you want history light? What do you want? And then I will because I've had a broad scope of experience in all the European destinations and Caribbean, but all the European destinations, like, tell me what you want. But I always think if you're making it a point to go all the way there, uh, you should at least have some understanding of what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, why? Somebody's going to Denali National Forest, and I said, you mean you're not going to take a tour, but you're going to go all the way up there, and you're going to walk out and spend all that money and walk out, and now you're looking at a tree. But the bear is on the other side of the stream over there, but you don't know that because you don't yep. know what you're looking at. Yep. Yeah, um, I'm with you. What about um, – there were? go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say there were just several things about traveling there that I don't want to say surprised me. It surprised me. 
stood out. Um, first of all, people say, oh, you know, everybody tells me, you know, because I always, I always curate a tour for somebody. And when I say tour, I don't mean tour like with, you know, 900 people. Everything I do is private. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we're going to have a driver pick you. I'll just take Uber. Well, guess what? Uber's outlawed in, in Greece, so you don't have that option. Okay, yeah. let's get over that. Okay, and trains don't work like trains in Europe, so that's really not an option. Further, English is okay, but not you know, prevalent. And even my guide, who is born in Athens, young girl, uh, who's not an older skeptic, but said to me, you don't just go and get a taxi because the taxi will take you. are trying to get to Monastiraki that's four minutes away, and they will take you on a 25-minute tour around town. Yep. She goes, um, I, would, <laughs> I, I wouldn't trust you. And I'm like, okay, thanks for that. But she showed me how to take the train. I went one station. Okay, wonderful. But um, the other thing is I carried both Euro, U.S. dollars, and credit cards, which I always do. And um, the U.S. dollar was not accepted there. And I was yeah. a little surprised by that because I do so much mainstream where Euro, where U.S. money is good. I gave somebody U.S. and they looked at me as a tip and they looked at me like I was, Like, what know, am I going to do with this? I'll bring yeah. that. Yeah, when I go to the United States. Oh, okay. <laughs> My bad. Um, I was going to ask you what surprised you. So that was good. You beat me to it. What about... Sorry. Mo- oh, no, that's great. I, that's, I wanted to know that. What about... Um, how appropriate is this for pe- persons with mobility concerns? Challenging. Um, okay. We did the walk up to the Acropolis, which everybody wants to do. And um, it was warm but not hot. So obviously this was April, you know, when people are going in the summer. It's going to be hot. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we, the travel agents were not aware that it was a walking tour, and uh, some of them were not equipped for it, and we lost, like, six people on the tour, and they had to go back down. I think there was an emergency elevator on the side. But basically, you are climbing up rock and marble and granite and stone, and here Mm -hmm. I was watching with a camera in one hand. You know, I'm watching, and I've got sneakers on, and I'm, like, ready for this, and I am not in the best of shape. But I was winded, and uh, it it's something that I would have to express. That and that's and I said to a tour operator who I'm arranging for the fall, my uh, my travel companions. He he could run up the hill and back, and she says I'm a very slow walker, a very slow hiker. So um, you're not just going walking straight, but you're going uphill on uneven ground. Now I'm speaking right now to the Acropolis. Okay. Now, to go to the new Acropolis Museum, of course, it's all what we would say ADA, um, ADA uh, compliant and accessible. No problem with something like that. But by and large, many of the streets, especially in the square, especially in Plaka, especially in Monastiraki, is these are old cobblestone-type streets. Mm-hmm. Um, it is going to be a challenge. Now, we had people with, you know, walkers and whatnot that wanted to do things, and they it kind of got around. But when you get into – I'm not even just going to say old or traditional. I'm going to say 
ancient destination like that, mm-hmm. you're going to really need, if I had a client who wanted to go, who I would bring in one of my, because I'm not brilliant. I mean, I'm not stupid, but I'm not brilliant. And I don't just know all this stuff. I bring in my top level experts for a region and I ask the questions and I get the answers mm-hmm. and I would really need to reach out to somebody and talk about how to Logistics. do it for yeah. somebody with, with mobility impairment. Yeah. Okay. That's what I, that's what I was expecting, but I wanted to just have that, uh, you know, out there so people could know I'm because sure. it's such a popular destination. Um, so you got a chance to go to a few islands. Tell us about that. Okay. Well, the, um, it was a day cruise at the end of our stay and it was nice because I, you know, obviously the whole history, um, the whole history of Greece is predicated on their maritime uh, activities mm-hmm. because they have, uh, you know, Poseidon gave them the seawater and the command of the sea. You've got all these little islands, and we had to see it to make to make our immersion complete. in Greece yeah. complete. So it's a day tour from Athens. It's just a little hokey kind of thing, but they treated us lovely. They treated us like VIPs as everybody did there because you bring 400 travel professionals into a destination and you want to show them the best. And, uh, our first trip, it was about 45 minutes out, um, by this, I'll call it a motor yacht, but it wasn't, it's, you know, it's a tourist boat, Mm -hmm. but it's about 45 minutes out and it's Hydra, H-Y-D-R-A, which we think Hydra water. Okay. I got it. But what was fascinating about that is, uh, there was a little art store there that was called the donkey and the cat. It is a pedestrian island. There are no cars. There are donkey taxis waiting for you as you come out. There are cats everywhere. Wait, it's It's an an actual donkey. It's not like a type of taxi. It's an actual donkey. Oh yeah. It's an actual donkey. (laughs) Like, like, you know, watch, watch where you're walking donkey poop. You know, yeah. An actual donkey. (laughs) And cats. Perfect for you. Not like it's, not like the donkeys that, um, you know, like apparently in Santorini to cl- climb to the, cl- you know, to the top of the, mm-hmm. the hill as in, as in, as it was in, um, rain cramp, Mama Mia. It's not like we didn't talk about it the whole time in Mama Mia where she goes up the hill on the donkey, but this is the, this is the transportation mode on this island. So we did a walking tour of that. It was, it was quite lovely, and then we milled around and migrated and little cafes and this and that. Is the water as lovely and clear and teal as the pictures describe it? It is teal, blue. I took some pictures right up next to the dock, and it was clear. Uh, it, and But as you look out, you'll see the different depths. You'll, you'll see the multiple shades of color. Um, it was a little overcast one day, so I didn't get the spectacular blues, but the closer you are, it's going to be darker. Um, but yeah, the pictures that I have, it's just all blue sky, blue water, and then your buildings, your structures, flowers, trees, lots of flowers, bougainvillea, uh, everywhere. But, you know, we climbed all the way up to this clock tower, and again, um, wide, even, but no banister, no railing, 
and I'm struggling to drag myself up with no railing, but we get to the top and the clock tower was lovely on the second island, but we, what we were rewarded by was to look out and see the, the entire the marina, we saw houses and and apartments and condos and whatever and structures and then all the boats, the boats, the boats, the boats in the marina. Um, so it was uh, it was quite, and everything as you walk back down. There were shops on each terrace as you walk back down, but it was just a little. I don't want to say nothing island. It was just a little tourist island, and that was that was peachy. It was just another thing to look at, which was great. And then the third one was kind of um, interesting because, again, now to speak to the architecture, apparently nothing in Greek civilization was by chance. And we went, uh, we went there and we actually got on a bus and we went to uh, the third island, which will it come to me? Maybe the third island, but... Um, it's where the temple, a temple is that creates a triangle, and it is actually a smaller, better preserved version of the Parthenon, as they refer to it as the second Parthenon. Hmm. And um, again, a temple, everything was a temple to, uh, you know, and in, in this was ha- happened to be in uh, honor of the um a woman apparently this Zeus was a bad guy and he was always having affairs and it was a woman who went to this island to escape Zeus and she jumped into the water to get away from him and so they named that I think it's Etheria is the island I'm having a blank on that there is so much um Athena Athena was the third one the temple of Athena but what was interesting is it was the first capital after Greece sought independence. And if you take the three temples, Poseidon's temple at Cape Sunion, the Parthenon, and then the Temple of Athena, it makes a perfect equilateral triangle, which they refer to as a sacred triangle. And this goes back to that these ancient Greeks were no fools and everything was totally premeditated. But when I saw the Parthenon, which is now undergoing restoration, uh, and I took pictures with the Araxion, which was across the way from it, also on Acropolis Hill. I've jumped back to Athens. Um, the Parthenon has scaffolding up. It is undergoing um, undergoing um, restoration, and as you walk down the side, you'll see pieces of it labeled and marked um, at the Araxion, seemed better preserved, but as I talked to the guide, I discovered it wasn't better preserved. It's, it's already been restored because this is, the Parthenon has been destroyed and rebuilt before mm. by, you know, the ancient, the ancient Romans coming into Greece, blah, 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 part of history. Sure. But um, the Arachion have um, Athena's girlfriends, these lovely ladies that stand there and balance the rest of the structures on their heads. And when we went to the new Acropolis Museum, they actually had four of the six actual statues there. One is resident in London Museum, I understand. Oh, I and what we see, see there is now is um, so sorry. I have to go see it. Uh, you should. 
and um, and I learned so much about even the, the structure of that. But anyway, needless to say, so um, the Arachneon was looked so well preserved, and there are pictures on my Facebook page of me with these very special ladies that were friends of Athena's. But the end of the story is it wasn't well preserved. They've already completed that restoration. Mm -hmm. So what they are doing, this other restoration now on the Parthenon, they, um, you'll see that any pieces they are moving, this is all with archaeologists, these are all numbered. It's like Indiana Jones goes mm -hmm. to, goes to Greece. The, the pieces That's are cool. all numbered and being put back together again. But when we got to, um, the Temple of Athena, it was just by its nature because it was not in Athens, so it was not destroyed. Oh, it is just by its nature standing and better preserved. Um, so that was really cool because, I mean, you just kept walk, turning around and just walking into history, just walking into history. And there's always the mythology angle to everything, and that's fascinating. My husband would love it. He's a philosophy uh, guy, you know. Getting his PhD in philosophy, oh. so that they're all tied together. He's got all this. Yeah, and anyway, C.S. Lewis wrote a lot about mythology, so he's into that. We'll have. To, he really wants to go to Greece. We'll see how we can do it with uh, the all kids. I can say is any place that has a god of wine uh -huh. to build a temple to the god of wine has yeah. got to be all right in my book. And then when I found out how many how many wine varietals are produced there that we never get to see in the United States, yeah, and I how saw that good you took the a tour of the wines of Greece, and that was surprising to me to see. Well, that that was that happened to have been at one of our events, and they brought in. Um, it's actually the wife of one of the officials in the tourism board has a culinary shop. But they set up an entire Wines of Greece, um, I'll call it a table. I mean, it's like six tables. And we're letting us taste varying wines from varying regions. And right mm. away, I developed a, I like Crete wines, Cretan wines. I like Peloponnese. And, and they're like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense because you like them dry and the, the volcanic ash and da-da-da. Oh. And I'm like, who knew? Because we yeah. come here, I, I was just in Total Wine, and I look for Greek wines, and you have like five that they have because they're like, most of these are small wineries, small vineyards, sure. and they don't export to the United States. So I went to a Greek restaurant here, and he goes, order the California wine. Greek wines are not good. Well, that's a stupid second-generation Greek guy who grew up in the United States. Greek wines are good. Greek yeah. wines are great. I thought I was going to have a hard time finding a wine I liked. And for me, the foodie wino, <laughs> you know, not having good wine would have been like life threatening. There were so many good wines that I liked, but I didn't know that produced like over a hundred and I forget 136 distinct varietals of grape that we have never seen before in the U.S. or in Europe. Cheeses, they have 124 legally produced cheeses, which means like feta has to be produced and labeled with, does it come from a sheep, from a cow, da 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 what did the sheep, what did the cow eat, da 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 da, -da, -da, -da. I mean, 124, so I mean, any place that's all about wine and cheese yeah. and history and art, Take and I'm an architect, yeah. and 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 culture and reverence for that history and protecting 
the um, protecting the uh, architectural mon- monuments. I mean, I love this. I thought I would always love this. I always wanted to love this. I didn't know why I was going to love Greece. Um, now I can't wait to get back, and I only wish I was staying longer. Now, what about, do you have a sense of, you were, you know, you were kind of limited in Athens and to some of the islands, and because it is kind of, you know, there's some regions, and you have the islands, and things aren't necessarily super accessible, do you recommend someone doing sort of, you know, a couple of days here, a couple of days there, or should they say, I want to immerse myself in this city, this region, and just kind of stick to that? What's your thoughts there? What I am, of course, now I've also talked to 60 top tour operators, and, mm-hmm. and we and we talked about what do you do the most. And, of course, I've talked to people who have gone and tried to do it on their own, mm-hmm. and and then, of course, I've done the trips that I've done for my people. Um, generally, it's kind of like going, I feel, it's kind of like when you go to Europe, and you go to Italy, Yeah, you usually just don't go to one place. It's usually, you know, the first Italian trip is usually like, like a hopscotch. Rome, Florence, Venice sort of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And lately I've been getting Rome, Florence, Venice, but they also want to see um, Positano, Amalfi Coast. So I'll take them down and then bring them back and then cut them across, and sure. I'll curate all that. Well, here what's very common uh, and very prevalent is like to pick three – um, main islands and the, the most, the most current, the most prevalent is going to be like go Athens, Athens, Mykonos, Santorini, not necessarily in that order. Mm-hmm. And you're going to fly. So, yeah. you know, that's really the only way. There are some things that you can do to little out islands by ferries, but generally the way that I see it is Inner, inner island or inner destination flights between those three points. And those okay. three points, you know, Athens obviously is part of the, the main, the main country. And, uh, and of course, Mykonos and Santorini are going to be islands. But, um, normally what I see, and now I've seen people do that, and then I've seen them go back and pick and get a, there are villas. I, I didn't even realize there are all inclusives on some of these Greek yes, islands. We've been looking. People go back now that they know that they love it and they take their kids and they go back and they stay for a week on one of these islands. Um, so really, uh, I, I, you know, somebody says, I'm just going to go to Santorini for a week. I'm like, really? <laughs> because you're already over there. So I think that, and then of course, my favorite way to do anything, and it isn't for everybody, but my favorite way to do anything for the first time when it's just drowning in water is to approach it by a cruise. And that's what I'm doing yes. this fall because I want to see as much as I can. And the only thing I'm very – there's two things that I'm unhappy about. One is we're seeing a lot more of the um, – areas where you've got your ancient excavations and you're going to go see ruins and things like that. And less, uh, we don't go to Mykonos at all. Oh. It is a big city, but that's fine. We don't go to Mykonos and, um, we leave Santorini at five o'clock and everybody knows that where you want to be is sitting up on that hilltop mm-hmm. on the side of a whitewashed cliff mm-hmm. with a glass of wine watching that Santorini Sun sunset. Go down. Oh yeah. Uh, so, 
So I'm a little bit disappointed about that, but you know, you can't have everything. But I, this Athens trip came up with like a three week notice. So I did not know I was going to be there in advance. Um, but it did allow me to prepare to get the most out of our trip this fall and to do an even better job when I'm sending my other clients, uh, in the future. But the answer is it depends on if you've been there before because there's a lot to see, you know, the Peloponnese. I mean, there's just, so much to see. Crete is supposed to be amazing. I will be there. They're all different, but I feel that if you're going all the way over there, especially if it's for the first or even second time, you're probably going to want to see more than one place, but leave sure. yourself enough time there. This is not a you know, two-day in Rome, two-day in Florence, two-day in Venice sort of trip. Sure. Yeah. What cruise line are you guys going to be on when you take your second trip? Uh, I am going to be on Oceana. Oh, nice. Uh, they, they tend to have more, um, more exotic itineraries, and um, we appreciate that. It has been a little bit of a challenge because we're going to places that are not um, as mainstream. Obviously, most of the tour operators are used to do, you know, Santorini. They have Milos, which is uh, popular for people that are just, you know, go over by a ferry, and it's all about water sports. But um, some of these others, I've really had to seek out archaeological specialists to to um, create itineraries for us on these on these ports. Because when I do a cruise, I just don't say get off and walk around because we're right back to what am I looking at? Right. Uh, so that has been a challenge. But I also have done for my clients many, 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 many sailings that touch on uh, Italy and then end up in Greece and do three or four stops in Greece. And that would be on my other very favorite cruise line, which is Celebrity. And they have some beautiful itineraries. Um, And uh, I have a tour operator I've been working with who did a great job for my people on land. Um, So I would go either which, I would look at either which way, depending on how, how many, you know, do you want to go to the ruins? Do you want to go to Agora? Do you want to go to Meteora? What do you want to see? You know, or or in my case of my people on Celebrity, they just wanted to go up, see a volcano, go to a winery, do a wine tasting, and have a cheese board and look at the gorgeous water. You know, it's just what do you want? The what will determine the where and the how. But and to everything's the point of this program, you know tour operators in all, like all around the world, you're an experienced travel agent. And the reason someone should use a travel agent is because you have this back end knowledge that they could just, you know, tap into your research rather, resources rather than, you know, doing research to come up with a website that looks fantastic and show up and have nobody waiting for them at the port and yeah. all of their money gone, which has happened to many people I know and many clients that call me from the port and say, Hey, uh, what do you know? I'm like, yeah, like we talked about. Anybody can put up a website. We talked about this before you got there, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> no, there's not Uber there. There's no Uber. I tried to tell you that. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, Sherry, um, no. that was good information. I appreciate it. And, you know, you just, you always provide me such good information. I didn't have to cue you all that much. You just, like, you gave me transportation Sorry. options. No, <laughs> it's great. You know the information that I'm looking for and that, your travelers need to know before they embark on this sort of adventure. So uh, let us know how people can contact you. 
Well, I know you'll put it on you'll put it on a trailer under your under your podcast. The best way to um I have a website www.elegant hyphen escapes with an s plural cuz you need more than one of course. .com but also you'll provide my email address and my phone number. Yes. I am very responsive text phone uh, through my website, you can submit an inquiry. Don't expect a whole lot on my website because I am all, it is mostly canned, curated content. I am um, all by referral. So to get the best information would be to contact me and tell me what you need. Um, always available. And um, basically, I custom design everything for everybody. So it isn't like go on my website and pick a box. It, that's not the kind of trips I do. But I wouldn't be happy if it was like that. <laughs> it has to be personal. If it isn't personal, then what, what else is the point of travel? Right. Okay. That's wonderful. Yep. We'll put all of your information in the show notes and list you as a guest. People can click on your profile and find all of your information there. And if you have any photos that you want to share with us, we'll put that out on all of the social media places that we hang on, out on, which is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, just the World Wide Web, which is HTTP travelradioonline.com and uh, the uh, the www i'm still having problems with that so it's going to resolve soon but i eh, it's a whole thing it's a whole thing i hate it but anyway we're still putting out episodes even if the website's not quite working properly because all the places you could download podcasts from still work so the website's really ancillary at this point but sherry Thanks for being on the program, and I look forward to hearing about your honeymoon. And also, tell us quickly what you're going to do next week, and we'll talk about that soon. Well, actually, it's tomorrow already, oh, Megan. Yes, I am stepping on board the brand spanking new Norwegian Bliss mm-hmm. for the inaugural, mm-hmm. and we'll be two days exploring this ship. This is the uh, newest incarnation of their mega ships, and it's the one people may know it like this. It's the one that has the uh, bumper cars or whatever they are. I don't know. Yes, it's some I sort of a vehicle that one drives on the top <laughs> on the on the rooftop deck. My husband's all excited about that. Anybody that thinks that Norwegian is for kids, aha, it's for big kids too. But uh, the ship, each time uh, Norwegian brings out a new vessel, they've got to one-up the one before, more water slides, more things for the kids to do on board and the big kids too. And um, they always host us. It's for, again, VIPs and dignitaries. I'm very privileged to have been invited to experience it. I do also live on Instagram and Facebook. Um, the easiest way to find me is just to Google Sherry Cavalin, S-H-A-R-I-K-A-V-A-L-I-N, as it will appear on this. Google me and you'll see I've got a presence as elegant underscore tapes on Instagram. I've got Facebook. I've got Twitter. And periodically I post things in all places. Um, but I will be trolling out pictures on my Facebook page, my business Facebook page as well. Um, and then when you go to the website, I think my Facebook or my Instagram feed feeds into there too. So there'll be a lot of first look pictures starting tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. You should do one of those fancy Facebook live events so people can see that what you're seeing. You know, I need I need to bring along I I need to bring along a Megan who can show me how to do that that techie <laughs> stuff you know. <laughs> well, I'm more low tech. <laughs> when we come back stateside, if we end up in Florida, I'll give you a call. 
Give me that's a deal. Or when I'm five days there before my trip to the Northern Lights next year, I'll be five days just sitting like a dead rock in London. So maybe you'll have to come to the city and give me some lessons. Oh, I would tour with you any day. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, okay, madam. We got a deal. All right. Hey, thanks for thanks for being on the program and until we record, uh probably four days from now, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much for having me, Megan. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great day. Yeah, this is a travel radio podcast and Megan Chapa saying good night. 